So let's take a look at one of the other types of diadogmas that are out there. Once again, full complete book will be coming out soon. When we start looking at diet dogmas, we start looking at the various diets that we tend to follow. A lot of them fall along the lines of being fads, where we tend to have a lot of marketing that goes into play, but not a lot of science that goes into play. Very few of the diets that we, that we look at have scientific evidence to support their use, where there tends to be a lot of confirmational bias goes into play and a lot of selective attention to very few studies that independently show some level of significance. Within this, we have types of diets, such as the plant-based diet, where the question is, should I be vegetarian or should I be vegan? What we have to take a step back and look at, is the hype worth or is it just a scam? So let's talk about that. Warning. The following presentation contains information that might contradict what you have previously heard or believed to be true about how the human body works and contains material that is not suitable for closed-minded individuals. Enjoy. And so we start looking at the idea about a plant-based diet. We have to start by looking at some definitions. So a vegetarian is simply a person that's going to eat things that do not contain animal meat. Within this, we have different types of vegetarians. We have lacto-vegetarians, which will consume things like milk. We have ovo-vegetarians, which will consume things like eggs. We have lacto-ovo-vegetarians, which will consume both milk and eggs. But then we have very strict vegetarians, vegetarians such as vegans. So the big difference between the vegan and the classifications of the vegetarians is, will they consume things that come about from animal byproducts? Or will they only consume plant-based materials? Where a vegetarian will be allowed within their dietary dogma to consume things like honey. Whereas a vegetarian, excuse me, whereas a vegan will not. The premise behind most of these vegetarian-style diets is that consuming plant-based is better and healthier for you than what we have attributed to as a Western-based diet, a fast food-based diet. But that's not just the case, because there are a whole bunch of various types of foods that we can consume at fast food restaurants that would be classified as being a vegetarian or as a vegan option. So what does the science say? What do we know about vegetarian and about vegan diets as it relates to the ability to control metabolic health related to weight loss, because most of the people are going to be following dietary dogmas either to regulate body weight or regulate metabolic health. And so what do we know? Well, there is some correlations that indicate that following a vegetarian or a vegan diet will lead to changes in neuronal health by increasing insulin sensitivity, reducing reactive oxidative species, and reducing neuroinflammation within the central nervous system. There is some evidence through correlations to indicate there's an increase in metabolic flexibility, an increase in insulin sensitivity, and a change in myokine signaling within the skeletal muscle. There is some correlations that indicate there is a reduction in atherosclerosis and a reduction in, infl in inflammation through controlling of C-reactive protein. There is indications of an increase in insulin sensitivity, an increase in lipolysis, and a decrease in lipogenesis within adipose tissue, 
leading to changes in adipokine signaling and changes in macrophage activation that lead to the reduction in inflammation that we see within the body. Stemming away from the pancreas, we tend to get a normalization of insulin and glucagon signaling. From the liver, there tends to be an increase in insulin sensitivity, a reduction in lipogenesis, and a reduction in the non-alcoholic fatty acid liver syndromes. When someone tends to move from an animal-based diet to a plant-based diet and suffers from overfatness, there tends to be a change in hormonal signaling coming away from the liver, very similar to the same changes that we see in hormonal signaling coming away from the adipose tissue, as well as from the skeletal muscle. So it seems to be like there's a lot of benefits that come away from following a plant-based diet. But does that automatically mean a healthier food? And this is where we have to look at what's the research say. We have a whole lot, whole lot of correlations that say there are good benefits that come away from following a vegetarian diet. However, there are equal numbers of studies that indicate that following a vegetarian or a vegan diet may have some cost to go with the benefits that are attributed to it. And so what are some of those costs that we have to worry about? So what are the things that get pointed out within the research that we have to worry about? Well, we have to worry about things like deficiencies. Deficiencies are going to be coming about from things that we would normally get from animals in our diet or from supplements that would come from animal products such as B12 and vitamin D. A host of ions that we have to worry about that will be consumed in lower concentrations where we may be able to get a within normal recommend, recommended amount within the diet. However, because of other things that are contained within plants that we're consuming may impact the bioavailability of these ions. We will also lose out on some omega-3 fatty acids, such as ELA and DHA, as well as essential amino acids, as well as taurine and creatine that we get from high concentrations in animal products or consumption by supplementations, which may be missed based on the strictness of the vegetarian diet that we're trying to follow. We will also have a disruption in our psychological drive for food based off of reward center signaling that can come about. We also have to worry about things like the anti-nutrients or the misconception that vegan and vegetarian diets are coming about from non-processed foods. We have to worry about the anti-nutrients such as lectin, oxalates, phytates, phytosterols, tannins, and glucosinolates, which all impact the bioavailability of vitamins and minerals within the diet that can impact our overall metabolism. And how is it going to impact our overall metabolism? Well, it goes back to looking at how we go about in terms of metabolic disruptors impacting our overall health. And how are these things going to impact? It's going to impact based off of metabolic disruption, where the metabolic disruption is going to change the way in which we're going to look at our food intake, change inflammatory signaling, change leptin and insulin signaling, change growth signaling, all leading to issues that we typically look at coming away from metabolic syndrome and overfatness. This is what we have to remember. Just because we might be following a vegan or vegetarian diet does not mean that we're not also having the possibility of consuming metabolic or endocrine disruptors within the plant-based materials. 
And with the introduction to the chapter coming out in Diet Dogmas, I'd like to go ahead and head back to a discussion that uh, Richie and I had in the summer of 2023 related to vegan and the needs that vegans might have as it relates to their diet, especially for those that happen to be highly active or fitness enthusiasts. So we're here to kind of just uh, talk a little bit about uh, vegan, vegan diets as it relates to those who are extra physically active. We got uh, Richie joining us again here to uh, kind of take us through the discussion. We're going to kind of go back and forth with some Q&A in terms of how we're going to uh, talk about stuff today. Mm-hmm. Um, also, some stuff I'd like to talk to you about are fad diets and okay. um, the misconceptions about carbs and Okay. And so there's, so we've, I've already, so we, we've already put up some stuff on kind of general concepts about nutrition, uh, both on the podcast as well as on the YouTube channel. And I have a list of other topics that we'll be going through um, as we uh, move forward in the year in terms of the various types of, of diets. And so we'll uh, kind of start the, t- start the conversation. And then we'll keep conversation going because this is something as we've talked about numerous times is not, uh, hey, let's have a very brief conversation about a very complex uh, topic. Right. Okay. So as you know, I am vegan, completely Mm -hmm. vegan and natural amateur bodybuilder who competes. What are your thoughts on the vegan diet as it relates to? muscle building and someone who is very highly active. So there's two things we have to worry about with veganism in general for the general population. Uh, One of them is uh, nutrient malnutrition. And that's simply because there are certain things that you cannot get from plants and vegetables with, without having some sort of animal supplementation. And those are things like your, your vitamin, your, your vitamin, uh, B12s, uh, your creatine, your carnitine, uh, to a certain extent, uh, taurine as well. You can have a, a slight bit of malnutrition on on the taurine, even though taurine is not as essential for normal metabolic functions as B12 is or as um, creatine or carnitine happens to be. So that's that's one aspect of the issues that we have to worry about with with veganism. The other issue we have to worry about with, with veganism is incomplete protein. And that's, uh, I don't know if, so for everybody who's listening on the podcast, we're recording this on the 6th of August, uh, 2023. And there was a couple of news reports uh, recently about the uh, the fruit-only vegan dieter that, based, that uh, passed away because of malnutrition. Oh, wow. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. And so, and so this goes into... Uh, a lot of the conversations that people have about, oh, well, one of the first things that happens for people who switch to doing a vegetable only or a vegan diet slash lifestyle is this rapid weight loss. And that's simply because the body's going to start to try to draw nutrients away from wherever stores happen to be. And so one of the things that happens with 
with veganism is if you're not very vigilant in your source of foods is having an amino acid deficiency because you're not getting complete proteins. And so uh, uh, methionine is one of the very important amino acids because it's the first amino acid in every protein synthesis that the cell does. And people who don't consume large amounts of animal protein tend to have a methionine deficiency or can have a methionine deficiency. There's other um, amino acids that can be that you can become deficient in if you're not doing uh, the paired plant sources within the vegetarian or within the vegan uh, dietary, I, I guess you can call it for lack of a better term, protocol. And so uh, once again, this is for a, a separate uh, podcast that I'm working on right now about the the dogmatic principles of diets and the fact that most diets, it's, it's, it's following a protocol that you, that you have to do. Mm. And so those are two issues that we have to worry about for anybody in general that's going to that's gonna follow, follow a, a vegan-style diet. Now, for the highly active person, the other issue that we have to worry about is the need to uh, have enough protein to offset any type of protein degradation, protein breakdown that takes place within the workout. So for me, the only way of me getting in enough protein is if I increase my calories, which, you know, that's something I wouldn't want to do like long term due to, you know, weight gain. Um, so it is very hard to get the protein in from like healthy sources. Um, most, most protein that, or no, most things that I get protein from are like fake, you know, like protein shakes, protein bars. Uh, and that's not very like healthy, but yes. So there's a, that's where we have a kind of, we get into some of the myths and misconceptions that's out there. Okay. It doesn't really matter where the protein comes from. Okay. Protein is seen as protein. Amino acids are seen as amino acids. The body can't figure out, is that amino acid coming from a plant or is it coming from an animal? Is it coming from a, from a shake or is it coming from a steak? And so when we look at where we're getting the proteins, it doesn't matter where the, pro, where the, where the source happens to be. It's about making sure that we get all of the essential amino acids and the essential amino acid metabolites that we wouldn't be able to get otherwise. And so that's where we have to, that's where within the the whole source proteins. And so one of the things that you see with, uh, or one of the old recommendations was to always kind of like pair like a rice with a, with a legume, like mm-hmm. rice and beans, rice and peas, because the, the proteins that we see in the rice and the proteins that we see in the legumes or in the beans or in the peas, they complement each other, and by the by complementing each other within the dietary amino acids, you're ensuring yourself to get full proteins. Mm, okay. But what you're not getting within within those complements is you're not getting the the six to twenty grams of creatine that you're going to need if you happen to be active and trying to build. So, could I use like? creatine supplements that are out there you could but the problem is that they're not vegan anymore Mm -hmm. so this is i haven't seen on the market 
a vegan creatine source. And that's simply because most of the creatine supplementations coming out there is coming from uh, animal uh, sources in terms of the, the production of it. And so if you're trying to be strict in terms of your veganism, it's very difficult to get that same thing with, with, the, with the carnitine. And so carnitine is needed for fat metabolism and transportation of, uh, of the acetyl fat, of the acetyl fats, the fats that go through beta oxidation, lipid oxidation from the cell into the mitochondria. Mm-hmm. The way in which it gets into the mitochondria is through use, using a carnitine pathway. Mm. And, and so most of the carnitine that we get is coming from an animal source. And so that's where it becomes very tricky for the person who wants to be strict in terms of their vegan diet to make sure they're getting those, those other sources, the taurine, the, car, the carnitine, the creatine. Okay. And so when you're highly metabolically active, you're going to start to utilize and overutilize those uh, amino acid metabolites. Granted, you don't need the you don't need them in super huge amounts, but you need them in, in enough amounts that you have to re, you have to replenish it. And so that's where for for the creatine for people who's for like yourself with where you're at within your training, within your training cycle, you don't need as much creatine as you needed during the build phase. Right. Okay. But during the build phase, you have to have additional creatine that's, that's there. And that's where for someone that's not following a vegan diet, we can very simply just say, okay, have an, have a, a extra 12 ounces of uh, white meat chicken during, during the day. Mm-hmm. And so that will give more than enough creatine to offset what's there and and when we look when we look at like the 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 white meat uh chicken or the the tuna the um the the solid white tuna meat those tend to have high amounts of uh, creatine within it but also tends to have very low um, lipid content and so a lot of times we start looking at and well, we can talk a little bit more about the the calorie and calorie out misconception. And once again, there's a whole other podcast out there that that Michaela was kind enough to come in and uh, ask some questions about mm-hmm. um, about calorie and calorie out and the misconceptions that we have as it relates to calorie in and calorie out. Something that I've been talking about for over a decade now that people have finally started to kind of pick up on. And I was had, was bored the other day and I was scrolling through the the YouTube. Uh, feeds and so someone oh like three days ago calorie in calorie is a, is 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 uh, a, a fallacy. I don't remember the actual title of it, but it's just like yeah, I've been talking about that for for over a decade. And so it's it's stuff where it's like once we once we realize that it's about nutrients, not about calories, we can start kind of worrying about the protein for for the person that that's vegan. And one of the things that the other thing that you have to worry about for, for the, for the vegan is that iron issue right. that can't come out. Cause you can offset a little bit of the B12 issue in terms of, particularly in terms of the, the red blood cell and the anemia that can come about with, with vegan. So you have that vegan associated anemic conditions that can come about with the dark, with the, the extra dark leafy green mm-hmm, mm-hmm. vegetables, which tend to have a little bit higher iron content within them. 
to offset some of the iron content that you don't get from not eating um, animal products. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that the same thing happens for someone that doesn't eat any red meat because the person doesn't eat red meat is not getting very much iron in their diet either. And so one of the things that happened with the, with the kind of push away from red meat, and there's a reason to push away from red meat for, for a couple of things. We could talk about that at some point in time here. One of the things that came about was we started seeing anemic conditions with people because they weren't consuming red meat or consuming the dark, dark greens. And the other problem with particularly with, with, with vegan people and the vegan diet followers, and I'm kind of mincing words here and I'm, I apologize from, if, if I'm offending anybody that follows a vegan diet with the, with the euthanisms that I'm using to kind of lump some everybody here. If you cook those vegetables, the amount of minerals and the amount of vitamins that remain in the foods drops. And so the problem with the dark leafy greens is that they're very kind of bitter to try to eat. And so you usually have to kind of like toss a whole bunch of stuff on them to make them palatable. Right. Or you have have to cook them a little bit. And then when you cook them, you lose a lot of, you lose some of the nutrients that, that you'd be able to get from, from those vegetables that happen to have the the vitamins and the minerals that you would that you need otherwise. Mm-hmm. Now the nice thing is that you can get with iron, you can get iron supplementation without having to worry about kind of crossing the the vegan ethical line that some vegans that I've had conversations with do not cross, which mm-hmm. is no, no no animal product whatsoever. No no animal product in my clothing, no animal product here, no animal product. And so so there's some vegans that simply do it for diet that simply follow a vegan diet. But then there's other vegans that it's like no animal whatsoever. Right. And so the, and so when we look at the, the vegan issue as it relates to, to that diet, we have to figure, okay, are you willing to take the supplements or is it something where it's because of, because of ethical standards, you're not even going to be willing to do the, the supplements. Right. Right. Um, I have a following question. Mm-hmm. So since vegans could be malnourished due to the lack of like minerals we get in what are some of the diseases that could follow you so people who are malnourished and 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 have restricted diets tend to have metabolism deficiency diseases and so one of them happens to be like beriberi which is uh, usually is seen with people who undergo drastic starvation diets and will only be eaten. Will like will get like portions of rice and water to eat. And one of the things that you'll see with those people is you'll, you'll see them with like bloated stomachs, oh. and they, and they look like they're like they look like they're like they're well fed, mm. but their their bloated stomach has to deal with with liver issues and backup of fluids and edema and a whole bunch of other things. Where even though it looks like they're well, they're well fed, they're not well fed at all, mm. and so you get you get deficiencies with that. Um, like I was talking about with the once again we're recording August sixth uh, of twenty twenty three, and I believe it was about a week ago there was the this kind of influencer that was doing nothing but fruits and water, and she became exce- she became excessively malnourished. And one of the things you can get you can't get neurological issues from the malnourishment particularly if you're not getting any of the omega 6s or omega th- omega 3s that you normally would get from 
uh, eating things beyond plants and vegetables. You can get most of the omega-6s and some of the omega-3s from plants and vegetables. DHA is one of the essential fatty acids that is not very well stocked within most of the plants that we consume. And so since we don't get a large portion of DHA from the plants that we would eat, we could become DHA deficient, which can become problematic because it is one of the omega-3s that we need in our diet for normal hormone and normal normal membrane uh, functionality and building. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of drawbacks with a vegan diet. And, and um, so there are drawbacks, but there's also some, there also is evidence to support utilizing it as part of a, uh, I guess the best way to call it would be a periodized dietary protocol, mm-hmm. um, where you're not going to once once again. So the problem with and once again, I don't want to call it a problem. The with any of the fad diets, it becomes excessively restrictive in terms of what you eat or don't eat. Right, and it can become to 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 a certain point antisocial in terms of in terms of the diet. And so, what ends up happening is, and this goes into something that we had talked about a couple months ago, as I was telling you about the the latest book that I'm starting to put together. It becomes where diets become dogma, and just like with most religion and most philosophical principles, you kind of hang out with everybody who kind of agrees with you. Mm-hmm. Because you can go ahead and you can eat all the stuff and you can drink all the stuff and you can have all the all the social interactions without having to worry about is that this mm-hmm. is this a, is this a taboo thing is this a no no thing mm-hmm. on on my diet I've gone to a number of social events with with people who follow a, a vegan diet and they have and they basically barely eat anything at these social events because. It's like, okay, it's vegetarian, but they cooked it with, there's like cheese on it. Right. So even most of my like social circle, even my family, they're not vegan. And so I have to cook everything by myself, bring my meal prep everywhere I go. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if my friends and I go out to eat to a restaurant, I can't always like have them go to a vegan restaurant with me. So I'm the only vegan. The rest are, aren't. So and, and that's and that's that's also where we get, we get some of the social stigma. And so so with with vegans there are some health benefits that can't come about. But this at the same time is is what what the people don't want to do is that they don't want to feel like they're being preached to by going to and so they hear all these bad things. Oh, the food is this, or the food is that, and it's not very tasty, and it's not very because it doesn't have this and it doesn't have that. What that realizes is that you can get some high quality meals mm-hmm. utilizing vegetables only. I, uh, my uh, cousin's husband is a chef, and we've talked a number of times about cooking stuff, and he talks a lot about cooking with vegetables and doing a lot of stuff with vegetables and being able to. To you don't have to use a lot of meat in order and a lot of quote unquote unhealthy and once again health, healthy food unhealthy food is a matter of is, is a subjective viewpoint. Right. You don't have you don't you you can cook stuff and make stuff taste good mm-hmm. without having to have all of the the heavy animal protein animal stuff in the diet. Mm-hmm. So like like you're talking about like yeah I go out with my friends and it's very hard to find stuff and so. 
yeah. each other's meals. Mm-hmm. And so it, 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 we were able to do that without becoming so onerous on ourselves in terms of, well, I can't have that and I can't have this. And, and that's where a lot of the, the fad diets start to start to fail is that it becomes so onerous on the person trying to follow the fad that it almost becomes uh, cultish. And so there's a lot of stuff that for someone that follows a, lo- a lower carbohydrate diet, you can do a vegan diet. I have a, a, a former grad, grad school colleague of mine that was vegetarian that did low carbohydrate. And you think, oh, well, how, how are they doing that? Because low carb, everybody talk, thinks low carbohydrate, all you're doing is eating butter and bacon and steaks. And it's like, no, you can eat lower fat. You can eat vegetarian and have low carb. It's just, it's, it's what are the, it's, what is the type of foods that you're eating? So that's where you go to the glycemic index within the, within the vegetables and the fruits that you're eating. And you consume the lower glycemic index foods. You consume a lot larger, the, the fatty nuts, the avocados, those, what you're not eating is you're not eating the watermelons and the, and the cantaloupes and the, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you know, all of those, all of those high, high sugar apples and oranges and, and those things. Yeah. You're eating your peppers and you're eating your tomatoes and you're eating your, your, your leafy vegetables. You're, you're eating your nuts and your peas and your, all of the, all of the, the high protein sourced foods. But then what you're doing is you combine that with the lower starched, lower glycemic indexed fruits and vegetables and grains to make up. So you make, once again, it goes back to making sure you're not going to malnourish yourself. Because when I start to malnourish myself, my body's going to try to find whatever nutrients are available within the body itself. And so what's going to start doing is it's going to start to pillage the body tissues. And that's where everybody says, oh, I'm going to switch to doing the vegan diet. I'm going to switch to doing the vegetarian diet because I, everybody that I know has done it has lost weight. Well, they've lost weight because they're trying to find the nutrients from somewhere. Um... And, and it goes back to stuff that, um, that I've written on for... Geez, since 2010 and that's in a couple of the the videos on on the youtube and it's in the behind the paywall on the on the podcast is when you're looking at weight loss what weight loss is is the weight loss you want and so just because i'm losing weight doesn't necessarily mean that i'm becoming healthier it simply means that i'm weighing less right so we want fat loss we want so so and that's where where fat mass is more dangerous to health than fat free mass. Fat free mass is your organs, your bones, your muscle, your skeletal muscle. Right. Whereas fat mass is basically all of the visceral and subcutaneous adipose tissue. Mm-hmm. We don't want to get super low in subcutaneous adipose tissue, particularly for females, because mm-hmm. of the influence that subcutaneous adipose, subcutaneous fat has on estrogen metabolism. Right, right. But at the same time, we also want to make sure we have some visceral fat because we want to be able to, because most of the visceral fat is found in fat pads. And the fat pads are important because one of the functions of, of lupus, one of the functions of fats for the body is to act as a cushioning agent, to act as a shock absorber. And so if you'd like to hear more, I recommend go ahead and listening to that episode of the podcast, as well as the videos on YouTube. Thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for tuning in. Please remember that we will be uh, presenting more of this in uh, book form as the book is uh, put together on Diet Dogmas. Please make sure you're leaving that five-star uh, rating. Make sure that you are subscribed 
have liked and are sharing out the uh, podcast, the YouTube, as well as Substack with all of your friends and family. We greatly appreciate that, and it's going to help with the algorithms. Make sure you're following us on all of the various platforms that we're publishing on here on the podcast, as well as on YouTube, in Substack, as well as the quick takes that we will put out on Instagram, as well as on threads. Thanks again for listening. Hopefully you got a little bit out of the conversation.